It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I'm Brett Levy and I'll be hosting the show this week. So for things with a Z, um, I don't actually have a product, a physical product that I reviewed this week. Um, I actually went back to an app. And when I say I went back to an app, I actually went to an app that I've been using for quite some time now. Uh, I received an email from the publisher saying they've noticed I've got an active, um, I've, I've got an active license. How come I haven't upgraded? So what is the app that I'm talking about? Well, it's called Walter Pro. For those of you who might know it as Walter 2, and it's spelled Walter without the E. So it's W-A-L-T-R, and I had two, and I now have Pro. So I thought I'd just quickly review it again and tell people what Walter's about, and thankfully why I've upgraded from Walter 2 to Walter Pro. So if you own an iPhone, um, up until probably what last two years, the only way to transfer files from your PC or your Mac to your iPhone, see what I did there, went PC first, don't know why, probably the first time it will ever happen, and the last. So um, you had to use iTunes, you had to plug in your phone or you could use Wi-Fi and if you wanted to get a song from your machine onto your phone or your iPod or your iPad, that was the only way to do it. Well, that's where Walter 2 came into it. And the, if you're watching the show, you'll see a screenshot. It literally was as simple as find your phone on the same network or via cable. It would show you, choose the song, drag it onto the device, in this case an iPhone, and it just appeared in music, like magic. Um, so that was awesome. You never had to use iTunes. It did allow you to bring your own content in as well. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should have content that was downloaded, but you might have created your own content that didn't have uh, digital rights management, DRM, and therefore you couldn't take it into iTunes that easily. So why have we upgraded to Walter Pro? Well, very simply, one, the user interface is really now slick. It's a lot more file-centric. And again, if you're watching, you'll see from what I had up on the screen before, which was Walter 2, to Walter Pro. It's pretty easy. Picture of your device that you're going to be using. And if it's music, drop it into the music icon. If it's files, this is where Walter Pro gets interesting. Drop it straight into the file section. Now, they have a companion app called Files by Walter. And this is the big bonus around Walter Pro versus Walter 2. Um, what Files does, it's actually an app that sits on your phone. And when you choose to select to drop, if it's not music, for example, it's a Word document or a PDF or something like that, you can either drop it into the files folder on your device, which is using the little blues file folder that you can see on the screen. Or if you hold down the Alt button, um, I think it's the Alt button. Yeah, it's the Alt button. Um, I don't know what that is on a Windows machine. It might be called Alt um, on Mac. It's Option, and it's got a funny little like line. Um, it then pops up and lets you choose an app. So why is this important? Well, let's say I want to send a video that I have on my computer and I want to send it via, I don't know, WhatsApp. Now you can get WhatsApp for computers, but not everyone uses it. So the easiest way to do it is to try and get that file to your phone. Now, if you have an iPhone, that means you have to send it through to music or um, I don't even know what the video's file is. I think it's TV now is what they use on an iPhone. And then from there, good luck trying to send it on WhatsApp. Using Walter Pro, all you do is hold down the Alt, it pops up, choose the Walter files or files by Walter, drop it in there, and from there, select forward by messenger, WhatsApp, SMS, any other file format you want to use. 
This is also cool for videos. If you have VLC player on your phone, and if you don't have VLC player on your phone, I highly suggest that you do get it because it pretty much plays any codec out there. So you're not limited to just MP4. Again, if you're using an iPad or using an iPhone, you don't really get the choice all. It's not that easy to move files across and get it onto VLC. So with Walter, or Walter Pro rather, now that problem is no more. You just drop it into files and open it with VLC. Um, so, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely an app that you have to have if you own an iPhone set. I've been using it for years. Um, it's not an expensive app. It's a one-time purchase. Um, if you were a Walter 2 user, I think it was 50% off to upgrade to Walter Pro. And if not, it's probably about 20 or 30 bucks. Um, I don't remember offhand, uh, but it's really money well spent. And as I said, not only can you, uh, not as I said, but what I wanted to get to as well is you can do this for all the i devices in your house. So you only need the one license on your PC or your Mac. Did it again, PC before Mac. So let's just assume you only have Macs going forward from now on. Download Walter. It actually is a Mac app or I'm assuming a Windows app. I don't know. I haven't reviewed it on Windows. Um, but basically, you load the, the software on your machine. Let's call it the machines. And then from there, um, I have sent files to Gail's phone. I have sent files to Cade's phone. And I'm actually going to go back into the old picture because it will show you there. So if, you, if you're watching the show instead of listening to it, you can. what I've got up on the screen is the primary phone is sitting inside a circle. And there's actually two other devices sitting in the periphery. This is very similar to using AirDrop. Now, it would be exactly the same with Walter Pro. Um, the only difference is you might not necessarily see the other devices until you select them. Um, and then it focuses on the device that you're using. But I've done it. Like, girl said to me, oh, can't you send that song to my phone? Sure, no problem. Open up Walter, in this case now Pro, and just select her device and send it to her. The only requirement there is the first time you use it, you have to use a cable. You do have to connect the device to your machine. It then pops up and says, do you want to trust the software? You say yes. And this, this works with a lot of um, Mac software specifically. Once you've done that and the phone is connected and identified, you can go into the settings, say enable Wi-Fi. And from there on out, you just need to be on the same Wi-Fi network, which is quite obvious, right? If you're not, obviously it doesn't know that you're there. So Walter Pro, uh, replacing Walter 2, that's W-A-L-T-R, no E. Um, and said so the huge benefit, let me see if I can actually just open this up on my phone, um, because it becomes its own. So here is files by Walter. So you can see this categories there. Um, I'm trying to get as close to the webcam as I can. And basically what it says is images, documents, PDFs, music, videos, and other. So you can actually put anything you want in. And I have no files in here because when I send the files to my phone, I actually put them straight into the app that I need. But if you were bringing in an audio book and you didn't want to use um, books, which is the native one, you could then bring up Kindle or uh, not Kindle. So that would be an ebook. but there's a good example as well. You could bring up um, Audible and send it straight through into your Audible library. So it's a fantastic tool for those people that don't want to use um, the, the Apple Music, the sync software that's actually provided, um, all going via a cloud and having to then download it and bring it across. It's seamless. I've used this for years. I was actually trying to think of when it was that I reviewed this on the show, but I'm going to guess it's probably 
three, maybe even four years ago. That's how long I've been using Walter. Um, the company Softrino, I think. Soft, R-I-N-O, Softrino. But just Google Walter without the E Pro and you should find it, no problem at all. So that's uh, things with a Z for the week. Um, actually, I think I've got a screen up here that's showing and I was trying to do it on my phone, but there it is. Uh, they come with a QR code. You can actually just scan it. It takes you straight to the store, adds it in. It syncs everything that you need to sync from Walter Pro to Files by Walter. So, yeah, um, great program. Um, as I said, used it for years. I've upgraded to Pro. And if there's Pro 2 or Expert or anything else that might come out, I would definitely upgrade again. So that's uh, that's things with a Z for this week. So that takes us on to tech news. Um, what do we have on tech news? It's actually using a new screen. So I've got everything up on this on one screen, and I've got um, my webcam here as well. So hopefully it gives a little bit of a better perspective, and I'm not looking all over the place. So we have things with uh, tech, tech news. Sorry. Right, web scraping. So being the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak, let's start off with what web scraping actually is. So a court has now declared that web scraping is legal. This is basically the process when you use bots to extract content or data from a website. So um, unlike screen scraping, where you're just taking copies of what you're seeing on the images, this actually takes the HTML code um, and with it, the data that's stored in the databases, um, you can then replicate this onto another website. Um, and the main reason why you would use web scraping is to actually build up personal data like emails, phone numbers, um, things like that, so that you can now start marketing those people. So why would you do this? Well, let's say you are Puma and you now scrape Adidas's website and get all the user content and user data that's come off from that site. You can now contact those people. Now, I need to put a caution up there. You can't actually contact those people because they haven't opted in. So the Adidas Puma example is probably not a great one because I don't think a company like Puma would start doing illegal things when it comes, not that web scraping is illegal. I don't think they would come to, to stealing data from a competitor and then emailing them or SMSing them without the necessary permissions, especially given that they're a, U, a, a UK company and with GDPR, that would be a silly mistake. However, the landmark, landmark ruling which made this uh, tech news in the US has actually found it to be legal. And the main thing about it is the fact that an internet website is actually in the public space. Now, there's been a long-running legal battle, which I think LinkedIn actually started, aimed at stopping a rival company from web scraping. And this is exactly it, right? So LinkedIn is this huge, big platform. I decide I want to go into business and start a rival. What's the best way to do it? Well, find every single person that's already on LinkedIn and bring them across to my network. Now, I'm not necessarily contacting the people on LinkedIn, but by putting them into my new in-linked, if that's what I was going to call it, if you then came on and started looking for profiles on in-linked, um, don't call your program that name. You would probably get sued for that as well. But you would now find these profiles because we already have all their data because we know who they are. We know what they do because we've scraped it off LinkedIn, which is where they put it. So the ruling comes on the basis that it was actually not a violation of computer fraud and abuse. Um, now, this is huge. It's a huge win for people like archivists or academics or researchers or journalists because they can now pull, pull data off sites 
and use it in their research. However, um, you know, this is basically the same as saying that well, torrenting is only for sharing content on a research or historical basis. So I'm sure that I'm sure the ruling will be contested by people that have stuff to lose, but for now it is legal. And uh, if you need to web scrape, you can do so probably without getting any form of trouble or legal action against you. Um, the only thing that I would caution is that, you know, if you're ever going to be scraping fun from, make sure that they, they don't have a huge war chest that's going to come after you uh, legally. Because um, basically, yeah, that would be quite an expensive uh, legal case. So I think the, the, the main reason why this actually came up to the news is that it's actually sparked privacy and security concerns. So like I used the LinkedIn example, right? Um, if you take a, a, a facial recognition company like Clearview AR, they can actually scrape billions of social media profiles and photos. So now your identity is being scraped by another company and put onto, well, whatever they choose to use it for. And you don't actually really have a leg to stand on because you've put your profile onto one of those social networks, like a Facebook or Twitter um, or LinkedIn for that matter. So it is something to concern about. As I said, if you don't want to be found in the public space, don't put yourself out on the public space. That's how simple it is. What do we have next? So MailChimp, talking about suing, MailChimp is being sued. There was a security failure um, that actually, or allegedly, led to the theft of cryptocurrency from quite a few digital wallets. Now, the person that's brought this up, a, parent, a man by the name of Alan Levison, he's filed a charge against them, claiming that him and others fell victim to a very sophisticated phishing attack. Um, which they use a wallet called Trezor. So Trezor cryptocurrency wallets uh, were now accessed um, and funds were siphoned. Now, apparently he lost $87,000 from his own wallet. We don't know how many other people have lost funds from their wallets. Um, I've changed MailChimp's logo to JailChimp because obviously someone now needs to go to jail. The thing here, and this is what I talk about all the time. Now, MailChimp is a reliable and trusted email server. I use it, I have used it for clients as well, um, but it's always gonna be the onus on the person receiving the mail. So when you receive a mail that asks you to click on something or log onto something, this is maybe where Alan Levinson and the rest of them are gonna lose their case. MailChimp needs to go to court and say, hey, we're an engine, we just supply emails. The fact that someone scraped their data and used it to send an email um, and you went and clicked on it and put your code and your password into it, that's probably on you, right? So all it's probably going to get settled out of court because that's what happens with all these good things. The, the, the lesson, though, here for everyone that's listening or, or watching the show is don't log on to any site that has secure data or data that's important to you um, from an email. Or from an SMS. Now, I hear you guys going, oh, Brett, but we get an email from PayPal and it tells us to do this and this. Chances are the email is from PayPal. All I'm saying that is if you don't want to run the risk of having your data stolen, or in this case, funds, when it comes to a financial transaction or a transaction that requires personal data, rather go to the browser, type in there paypal.com and log in. That's what I'm suggesting. Doing it from an email, probably not, not a good idea. You know, we've spoken about how you can spoof URLs, you can spoof email addresses. I get 40 of them a day, 
um, you know, and I've now just learned how to, to read them. And most of them are going to come from banks or things of value. No one's going to send you an email asking you to, I don't know, share your horoscope with them, right? So just be savvy. We live in an online world. We trade digitally. If you're going to do a transaction, or let's use a real example. Let's say you subscribe to a, a, a company that sends stock tips, right? I'm not going to mention companies. There's a lot of them out there, and I don't want, don't want people to get half the, half the chug. Oh, don't use that company. So you subscribe to a place that sends you stock tips every day. Don't click on the link in the stock tip email. Go to that person's website. Open a new tab on your browser. Type in the URL and go in there and sign in and do what you need to do. That way, you're not going to get nailed. It's not going to be a site that shouldn't be there. I'm going to stay with spamming and that for a while. And this is going to be my let's do good for all the people out there that are listening to us. So I am getting an ever increasing number of spam calls i don't know about you but i'm really getting a lot at the moment so i thought i'd do a little segment and just to give you some ideas or practices to help stop or, or, or limit it so the first one it actually comes from gal she just doesn't answer calls from numbers you don't recognize now this is hard right because if you're a business it's not the easiest thing to do because you might be getting a new client that's phoning you and um you know basically by ignoring that phone call, well, they might go somewhere else. The rule of thumb here that I'd recommend if you're going to use Gail's approach is uh, if it's important, they're going to leave a message. So, you know, if you don't rely on your mobile phone for getting new business or for your customers, well, if they're your customers, save their number in your phone. That way it, it limits any chance of them being an existing customer or, or an existing person that you, don't, that you know and you don't want to ignore the phone call. But if it is a new person or if it's someone that's trying to get hold of you urgently and it's important, they're going to leave a message. I don't know if, you, I, I, again, I'm not sure how it works on Android, but on our phone, I get a message that says, or I don't actually think it's the phone. I think it's the carrier. I get a message that goes, missed call from whatever the number, no voicemail message left. Or I get a, mo a message from this number and they've left a voice message. So then I'll dial in and listen to the message. On that note, you can, with some um, telcos, set up that your messages are sent to you as text or as quick voice messages. Um, so that's just something to bear in mind. Um, never, in fact, I'm going to say it again, never, never, never click on a link in a spam SMS. So the same as you get phone calls that are, are maybe like telesales people or people just trying to scam you, um, SMS is a great way of doing it. SMS has a 100% open rate. You have to actually open or engage with an SMS to get rid of it. That's why there are so many spam laws against mobile messaging. It's because the user actually has to do something with that message. So if you're getting a link from a, 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 an SMS from someone you don't know or someone you're not expecting, please don't click on that link. It could trigger malware. I'm not saying it will every single time. But if you're getting a message from OzPost to your you couldn't deliver your package and you're expecting a package, right? The chances are you're going to click on that link. Like I said to you with um, when it comes to your crypto in Gelchimp, sorry, MailChimp, um, go to ozpost.com.au and enter the tracking number. And if it's legit, it's going to appear. If it isn't, you saved yourself a world of pain. The other thing as well, please also, if you if – you, um, do click on a link, it's going to drop a tag on you while you're browsing. So this means even if you don't fall prey to whatever that, that action was then, they might be able to serve you another website 
later on down the line. So just if it's a rule of thumb is if you don't know the link from an SMS, I mean, you don't know the person that's in SMS, don't click on the link. Also, never respond to a spam message, okay? So there's times, and I've probably wanted to do it right, where you just want to read them the right act, send them a message wishing them unpleasantries upon their genitalia and all other kinds of wonderful things. Don't do it. What you're actually doing is you're confirming that your number is real and active. And then you're going to get passed around like the party favorite at a bachelor's party. So you'll appear on every single spammer's mail list out there. So if it's a if it's a message you don't know, delete it, ignore it, don't do it, and block it. And I'll talk about blocking now. So if you really want to make sure the number's legit, type it into a search engine. If it belongs to a company or person, it will actually appear. It will pop up and say, um, I don't know, company X and where they are and so on and so forth. Right, so now to the part about blocking. So for an iPhone user, it's quite simple. I've actually put two pictures up on the screen if you're watching that kind of shows you what you're looking for, but I'm going to talk you through it as well. So let's start off with an iPhone. Open the phone app, then go to Recents. It's down at the bottom. Tap, look for the number that um, you now want to block, and next to it is an in info icon. It's a little R in a circle. Tap the number, um, scroll down to block this caller, and that's it. Simple. If it's a message, open the conversation with that contact that you want to block, Take the contact at the top, go to the info, scroll down, block this caller. So that will now block that number from ever phoning or SMSing you again. They actually don't know that they've been blocked. It doesn't tell them, but you won't ever get bugged by them. Now, the problem is sometimes you do this by error, you can kind of reverse that as well. You just go into your settings and, and unblock it. Um, so that's the, the simple thing. However, unfortunately, with a lot of the call centers, they actually rotate their numbers. So the chances are they're going to phone you from a different number anyway. But that is how you do block it. And if it's a person that's phoning you that you want to block, then unless they change their phone number, it is going to block it. On Android, there is a standard way to do this. It may not work on all manufacturers because, remember, each Android phone has its own bloatware and user interface. Um, so on my Google Pixel, um, what you do is you open the phone app, you tap Recent, and then you long press on the number that you want to block. And this then brings up a little thing that says tap, uh, tap block and report spam. Now you can actually choose to uncheck the box um, reporting it as spam, but don't. Like if they're blocking you, you're blocking them. Well, the only time you do that is if you're blocking them because it's just someone you don't want to talk to. doesn't really necessarily mean they spammers. It just could be someone you had a falling out with, whatever. So probably don't block them as spam, but who cares, right? And then tap lock. Now, think on a Samsung, and this was just to show you that's a little bit different. Um, what you do is you go to your recent, you tap your numbers, but you don't long hold. So when you tap it, then a details comes up. Um, and in the details, you, the, the option, a details menu, sorry, there's an option to um, block the contact. And that was a screenshot that I actually put up there. That wasn't uh, the Pixel one. So just to give you an idea. Right, what do we have next? Ah, speaking of phones, I actually have to give a shout out to everyone at Zag. Um, I'm specifically Ross. So I need a, a new screen protector. Um, and I actually opted for the glass version, which is the more rigid one. I had one on my phone before, which was the gel. So it's a lot softer. Um, there's no right or wrong as to why you go for one and not the other. Um, I just wanted to get it quickly and quite honestly was too lazy to go and find one of the machines that cuts and applies and all those good things. So it's actually quite simple. I've put a, a picture up on the screen, but I'm actually going to show you. This is the little tray. It comes in a box like this. 
And literally what you do is you just put you put your phone in the tray like this. Um, so I'm trying to do it vertically, so it goes like that. And then you put the whoops, you put the screen protector on the top and you just push it down. And it comes with a little cleaning cloth and little alcohol thing, so you make sure your, your screen's clean before. And I actually had one on before that I damaged. That was why I need to change it. Um, so yeah, it comes in this and you just throw it in the middle. Done. And there it is. It's on. It's it's awesome and all those good things. So yeah, um, I've always been a big fan of, fan of Zags products. Um, there's a lot of different brands out there. This is one that I use um, and have used on all my devices. So if you are looking for a new screen protector, um, and please, if you have cracked your screen protector, please, please change it. It doesn't, it's not going to protect your phone anymore. You know, some people say, oh, I had a crack and then I dropped it again. It's a, yes, it can protect it, but you know, it, you're going to pay, I don't know, what's it, 50, 60 bucks for the screen protector. It's a lot less than six or $700 plus to change your screen if you drop it. So, um, you know, if you have damaged or dropped your screen um, protector for any reason, please change it. Go and put another one. That's what I did. That's why I changed mine. Um, it's just, yeah, there's nothing worse than dropping your phone, picking up. Well, it's great when you drop your phone, pick it up and see that the protector's broken. It's fantastic. It's actually quite a great feeling, uh, but the opposite's not so cool. So, yeah, we're helping you block spammers and just a little bit of advice to look after your, your, your screen on your phone. Uh, third show in a row, I'm talking about Mr. Musk. So if you don't know that Elon Musk has bought Twitter, you are living under a stone. I mean, I've been talking on the show for the last few weeks about looking at it and thinking about trying to get it and buying a majority share, and now he has it. Uh, well, I don't, I know the deal's done, but I'm sure there's probably still a couple of hoops to jump through. It was a 44 US billion dollar acquisition. That's like over 60 billion Australian dollars. But the best was in a statement. He must says he believes Twitter should be a platform for free speech. But former U.S. President Donald Trump, who was suspended from Twitter last year, said he would not be returning to Twitter, even if he was allowed to. I think he's still trying to make his truth network work. Uh, Donald doesn't get many things to work uh, in his business world. He's actually been quite a failure, quite a lot of things. So my money's on um, Donald coming back to Twitter once Twitter's in Mr. Musk's hands. And it'll be a public statement um, and it'll tell you why he did it because he was awesome and he knew that coming back to Twitter would be awesome and all those good things. Anyway, well done, Elon. Um, yeah, yeah. So $44 billion to buy Twitter. I'm not sure what he's going to do with it. And for those of you that watch the show regularly, you'll know I'm actually certified. I have my video training badge and my Twitter's training badge. In fact, we did a session just yesterday training agencies on how to use Twitter. So I love the network. Um, hopefully he doesn't destroy it. Hopefully he doesn't do anything to it that makes it you know, bad. He said that his reason was to reinstall free speech. Awesome. And to get rid of the bots. Also awesome. But let's see how that plays out. Right. Um, if you're watching the screen, you're going to see a picture of a really nice cool retail store that looks like, well, it actually looks more like Microsoft store than it does like an Apple store. Um, but this is the first meta store. Now, it's cool that there's a store dedicated to selling hardware for VR, right? I mean, that's that's cool. But um, 
my question, sorry, I lost my train. I thought I thought a, a comment came through there. My my question is, why would you build a physical store to promote building a virtual world? Now, just think about that for a second. Facebook, sorry, Meta, wants everyone to live, breathe, play, do in the metaverse. We've spoken about the metaverse before. Roger Lawrence, love your input on this one, mate. Um, so, yeah, we've spoken about the metaverse. We've spoken about all the things that happen in the metaverse and kind of I'm still on the fence on it. And now they've gone and said, get into the metaverse. Buy this cool hardware that's going to help you get into the metaverse. But come into a physical store so you can see it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, hopefully the next tweet that we see from Elon Musk reads somewhere along the lines of, now I'm going to buy Facebook and delete it. Uh, anyway, we can only dream. So, yeah, that was, um, I think, things or tech news. On to RU Game. So this week I actually had a lot of fun. I mentioned a show or two shows ago that I have an Apple One account, and with that is Arcade. So I thought I'd start actually playing and reviewing some of the games that are actually on Arcade. Um, a lot of them are independent developers. Um, and I thought then, given that the Formula One was back in Melbourne last week, it would be cool to play a car game, um, just to like get into the spirit or stay in it. And I wasn't disappointed. Now, given that this is available on Arcade as part of my subscription, I didn't pay for it, okay? And that, well, I paid for my subscription. But I didn't actually have to pay for this game. And this game is amazing. So it's called Gear.Club. Um, I'm going to say Stradale because I'm assuming it's Italian because there's a villa. I don't know what Stradale means, if I'm even pronouncing it correctly. Um, but if you're looking at this, if you're watching the show and you look in the screen, these graphics are absolutely incredible. Um, as you would expect with a car game, you buy your cars, you upgrade your cars, you know, you add all the bits and pieces and you race them. Now, you can race as an accelerometer, so you can use your phone and turn left and right with the phone, or you can use buttons and pedals and brakes. It was a super fun game. It's super fast. The graphics were fantastic. You can play it on uh, Apple TV as well, so that was quite fun using Arcade um, on a big screen. And, um, yeah, if you're into motor car games, there are a ton of them out there. Um, but this one definitely does stick up there and, and it holds its own. As I said, if you have a, an Apple Arcade subscription, you don't, you don't have to pay for it. So, yeah, um, Gear.Club, that was my Are You Game game of the week. And I thought then we would uh, stay with cars and, and um, uh, motor driving and that. And the merchant of the week in the SME mall is um, Mega Zip. So they are basically genuine OEM parts. So I thought, you know, in the game and you could buy parts and build them up. Why not try and bring them to the mall? The SME mall has everything. We have games. We have Megazip genuine OEM parts. We have clothing. We have adult toys. We have everything that you could possibly want. So get on over to smemall.org and uh, you can search OEM. It will pop up. We'll just search Mega and it'll pop up. And uh, if you're looking to do some tinkering on your um, – on your car, now you know where to get your parts. And I think that brings us to the end of it. So Q&A, let's have a look over here and see what we've got that's come through or hasn't come through. Um, oh, that's a cool one. Okay. So the question is, are refurbished computers okay to buy? Yes, 
So I'm currently using a refurbished MacBook Pro. So I'm saying yes, saying yes confidently, this is not the first refurbished device I've bought. Let me explain a little bit on how better brands or more, you know, the, the bigger brands get to be refurbished. So there's actually, I spoke to the people at Apple and this was what convinced me that I should do it. And um, there are three ways that an Apple product um, becomes a refurbished product. So the first way that it happens is change of mind. So you go and buy a gold MacBook Pro and you open it and you decide gold's not for you. You want um, space gray, you take it back within the seven days. No questions asked, they take it back from you. That device now needs to be refurbished or deemed to be refurbished because it's not brand new anymore. The second way is the box actually gets broken. Now, I know that sounds a bit weird, but no one wants to go and buy a brand new shiny toy and the box is torn or cracked or something like that, I mean, especially if it's a gift, right? Then it looks secondhand. So it needs to be refurbished. And the third way is when something actually does go wrong with the device and, you know, I don't know, the sound card goes or the graphics card or something like that, and it needs to be refurbished. Now, all, and I'm speaking about Max because I, I said this is the research that I've done, but I'm sure, I'm sure it will pertain to a lot of the other brands out there. Um, all Mac products or Apple products will come with the same warranty as a brand new product. Um, all MacBooks got get a new case and a new battery um, and a new keyboard in this instance um, as standard. So when you open up the refurbished MacBook, it looks brand new. There isn't a single scratch on the case. The keyboard is new. The battery is new. And that's important because they're giving you the two-year warranty, so they need to make sure it's going to last the two years. Um, so, yeah, you don't know which of the three it is. I did try and ask. There's no way of finding out. But um, as I said, this is the second time I've bought a refurbished product, and I cannot complain. I just want to say, though, if you're going to get rid of your devices for any reason, if you're not selling them, or specific, sorry, if you are selling them, please destroy your hard drives. Just doing a factory reset doesn't actually always wipe out the data. So if you have sensitive data or you've taken pictures you shouldn't take, um, take the hard drive out, take a drill, stick a drill right through it and get rid of it. That's the best way to do it. Or if it's a solid straight state, snap the drive in half. Um, I hear people saying yes, but then uh, you can't sell it because it hasn't got a hard drive. Yes, you can. They can buy another hard drive. Just discount the price accordingly or go and buy another hard drive. Um, it also stops any choice of your um, software, your licenses and that being used um, on that new device by someone else. Any other questions? Yeah. Um, oh, there's a cool one. Can you play Apple Music on Google Nest speakers? Yes, you can. So I use, and I've mentioned this a few times, as big a fanboy as I am when it comes to my home automation, I use Google. Everything in my house is Google. I have Google speakers, Google cameras. I have the Google Nest doorbell, uh, which I reviewed a couple of shows ago. Um, so yes, you can. In fact, the command that I say, hopefully another device are listening, well, let's see if they are. Hey, Google, play grunge music on Apple Music. Let's see if something happens. So there we go. I miss grunge. So that's going to play in the background, and that kind of now might be really loud or it will bring you to the end of the show anyway. So there we go. You can play it. Um, and I think that brings me to the end of Q&A. It does. So hopefully, um, yeah, we've talked a lot about spamming and security and all those good things. So I guess uh, 
Until next time, keep your screens clean and your nose shiny.